Hi, I'm Levi Coons, and welcome to the Hunting Game Podcast. If you're anything like me, you live for the outdoors all year round. Join us as we discuss hunting, fishing, shooting, and really anything outdoors. It's definitely going to be a good time. Sit back and get ready, because here we go. Welcome back, guys and gals and kids and whoever's listening welcome back i'm glad to have you back for another episode of the hunting game podcast episode three we're doing this the first episode was a success the second episode was a success and i can only imagine that this third episode is even going to be more of a success so here we go first and foremost i do not have a guest tonight Uh, Jake is still in the process of moving into his house. I'm probably just going to quit saying that until it's time for him to actually be on. We'll just, it'll just be a surprise. On top of that, I, uh, I had planned on having my brother-in-law Christopher on here. They were actually in town from Wisconsin, but I had a crazy busy week. A lot going on, included taking the kid to the doctor. It was a bad week. Not really a bad week. It was a great week. It was just really busy. A lot of family in town. A lot of stuff going on. A lot of powder coating to do here in the shop. Didn't get the podcast recorded in time while he was still in town. But hey, no big deal. They headed back. Glad we got to see them. Glad we got to spend time with them. Had a blast. Tons of kids. There was kids everywhere. I mean, when I'm talking kids everywhere, there was like seven kids. Seven, eight kids at all times just running wild it was (laughs) it's a sight to see around here when the whole family gets together so that was a good time but anyways here we are doing a little late night recording no special guest but that's all right i'm all right right it's it's all me right here in the hunting game that's that's the important one right well once again thank you all for coming back this is an exciting one and let me tell you why you probably already know why By the time you guys hear this, it will be opening day of bow season. We're actually, right now, as I'm recording this, we are hours away from October 1st, Indiana's opening day of bow season, opening day of deer season. We made it. It has been a long time coming. My gosh, I feel like I've been waiting for years since last deer season. I'm so excited. This is... This is going to be one for the books. I've got good feelings about it. I'm excited. I got my practice in this year. I've been out like at least every other day shooting my bow. Arrow after arrow after arrow. Actually, I'm going to talk more about it later, but I've got some different ways I practice with my bow that seem to work out best for me. I've really been thinking about getting into getting one of those, uh, those toss targets. I don't know if you've seen that. They're all over uh, TikTok right now. I've seen those I don't know, on Facebook. You throw a target. And it rolls and rolls and rolls, and then you shoot at it. That's genius. A target that you you actually have to guess your yardage every time you shoot at it, that's genius because I'll admit it, my fatal flaw when it comes to bow hunting is guessing that yardage. I've gotten a lot better at it, especially out into an open field for some reason. My eyes struggle to hit that right distance. But lots and lots of practice better at it way better than i used to be i used to carry a uh like a broken arrow with just the veins on it and before i would get in my stand i would 
stand at the ground i'd range out 20 yards or vice versa range back to my tree and i'd stick it in the ground just to get a reference point in open field i still to this day don't really carry a range finder that's bad i really should i i I, well i take that back i carry one i've got one in my pack but when those deer come in i get in the heat of the moment i'm ready to zone in get my yardage right i've got trees picked out or spots in the field picked out i know my yardage i just get set get ready and boom make the shot I, i do have a rhythm i get into every time I'm like religious about it now. I used to be not so good about it when I was younger. In fact, I was really bad about it. I actually missed my first few does with a first few deer with a bow simply because I didn't, I don't know, like I missed something. I got excited. I got in the moment and I forgot my rhythm and it caused, it, it was, it was fatal. I mean, not in a good way. It wasn't fatal to the deer. It was fatal to my shot. I just didn't take enough time to do it right and I've learned from that and I I think that's a huge key in being successful especially with a bow with a gun too with whatever you're using to take deer key is getting in a rhythm and being religious to it don't forget how you practice when you're in the heat of the moment obviously things change the buck fever your heart's racing that's gold but that's where a lot of people struggle Don't forget that. Remember how you practice and practice. I'm going to call it practice in the tree. So anyways, we got a little serious there right off the bat. But tomorrow, I'm going to keep saying tomorrow, but tomorrow is day one. And it's now it's like three months of nonstop deer hunting. Well, I wish. I got to go to work every day. At least Monday through Friday, I'm at work. That's rough. But come Saturday, Sunday, I'm getting in the woods rain or shine i'm gonna get out there the the longest i can which early season i'm gonna be honest i don't i don't spend that much i don't spend near as much time in the tree i think part of it is just the weather's not always that great i mean this weekend we were looking at 70 for a high like 55 in the morning oh perfect not so good anymore we've got a chance to rain both days saturday and sunday sunday's like pretty much looks like it's going to be a washout it's going to get pretty cozy on saturday warm enough that if we do get a deer in the morning we're probably going to have to take it straight home at least get it quartered in the cooler because hanging one it's uh i forget who i was who i heard it from is actually on another podcast they said life happens at 40 degrees and that's something i stick with once that ambient air temperature is above at or above 40 it's really not safe to to leave a deer hanging um that's where you're going to get bacterial growth you're going to have problems so if it's not below that 40 i mean obviously you can hang it for a little while some people like to put ice in the chest cavity not a fan i feel like Every time I've butchered or helped butcher a deer that had ice in the chest cavity, it is just a freaking messy, nasty mess. It's like the water gets in between the hide and the and the muscle. Not fun. It's gooey. It's nasty. It's tough. I'm really just... I, I would rather get my air temperature, make sure the air temperature's right. I wish I had a walk-in cooler. One day, that's a goal of mine. Just hanging them out in the barn... Make sure the temperature's right. If the temperature's not right, you're going to have to buckle down through the work. I do have a big, uh, it's like one of those drink coolers from the gas station. We've got one of those. Get those bad boys quartered out, put them in bleeding racks and pans, and get them in there and let them cool off and go through their 
through a little bit of aging process for a couple days. I like to do that. You got to do what you got to do. And some people don't have that ability and that privilege. The weather is not going to be great, but I'm going to be out there. Now, mid, I don't know, mid-October, that's where the all-day sits come in. Mid-October, late October, early November, I can't even stand to get out of the tree. Some days, I, I'm an all-day sitter. I, I grew up that way. I mean, when I was first learned to hunt, when I was, you know, nine years old, even before that, when I didn't hunt yet, but I went with Dad, we sat all day, daylight till dark. We'd get in a spot, sit down, and enjoy the heck out of the day. God's earth is beautiful. Time is valuable. And that day in the woods, I swear, can relieve just about any stress there is to be. And I truly believe it's because you're out there in God's earth, nothing to bother you. Honestly, most times I'd, I, like, I don't care if the phone even works. I am guilty. Sometimes I play games on my phone while I deer hunt, but hey, who's not guilty of that? My dad can't even deny he gets on his phone and does some stuff during the day. You know, sometimes it's good to do that, but I really like to get out there, escape the earth a little bit. I guess not escape the earth, be with the earth, but escape the hustle and bustle of the work week and all the stress of life in general and the crazy world out there and just get away from it for a little bit. I think that's a good thing to do. To get a little bit more into my bow practice, one thing I really like to do, and it's it's something I was told a long time ago, and it really stuck with me. I like to practice every day but shooting my bow, especially on a weekend, like multiple times a day. I like to go out and make two shots, sometimes one shot. One shot, go get my arrow, set my bow down, wait an hour, go out, one shot, pull my arrow, repeat. And I think the reason is, well, I, I know the reason is, is because that one shot is the one chance I get in the woods. I got one shot to make it count, and I like to practice like that. Now, a lot of times I go out there and I'll shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot until I'm so tired I can't shoot anymore. I do that. But my favorite way is that one shot take a break, and I think that has really improved my skill when I'm out in the woods with my bow. When it comes down to go time, when that deer walks in, that one shot's going to count, and that's because that's that's how I practice. I got to stick to my rhythm. I like that better than, than calling it a ritual. Anyways, I'm going to take a break here for a minute. Got to go check on some parts, get a drink, refresh, realign, and we will rock and roll. All right, guys, real quick on a break. There's one thing I want to talk about. I had a guy contact me on Instagram this week, and I just want to do a quick shout-out to the Versatile Ground Blind. If you guys haven't checked that out, get on Instagram or get online, versatilegroundblind.com or versatilegroundblind on Instagram. Check them out. I really hope I get to try out some of the products. These things look awesome. It's something I've been looking for for a long time. Definitely check them out. Go to their website, get on Instagram, check them out, send them a message. Tell them Levi from the Hunting Game Podcast sent you. All right, we're back. Back in the action. So I know we've been pretty serious so far this episode, but that's all right. Some episodes are going to be a little bit different. I think I'm practicing containing my excitement for tomorrow. I'm so pumped. I cannot even... I can't even put into words how excited I am. Like, I am just ready to get out there in the woods, chase those deer... And I'm super pumped to get some new batteries in my trail cam because 
I made the executive decision to wait and not go in there and disturb the ground any more than I needed to. I'm going in there fresh. Haven't been in there since. You know, I don't think I've been in there since the fall. We've been to our other property, but this property, once they plant the fields, where we hunt's like basically, and it's not landlocked, it's crop locked. It's basically crop locked area where I'm, my stand is. Now we've got some some bottomland creek stands on that property that we can get to right off the road not too far. We'll probably hunt those if the corn isn't out, but I am going to make my way across the field to that stand, and I'm going to put some batteries in that trail camera because I had some good deer on there, and I can't wait to see if they are still active. We talked a lot about tree stand safety last week on last week's episode, and I had a family member contact me. They uh, they said, hey, you know, we loved your episode. We can't wait till the next one. One thing we think you should talk about is safety climbing into the stand and i got to thinking about it they pointed it out i don't know if you guys have ever heard of a lifeline rope it's basically a rope with a persic knot that goes that you get up in your stand you get you know get up there safely you hook it on your tree it goes on the bottom and then when every time from that point forward when you go to your stand you clip on at the ground and you climb that tree whether it's a ladder stand a climber a lock-on I don't don't know a lot of people that do it with climbers simply because they are usually in different trees. But if you have a tree that you continually put a climber in, put a lifeline on it. I'm actually going to put a link down below uh, for a lifeline rope. If you guys haven't got one of those or you haven't looked into them, I would definitely suggest looking into those. They're pretty incredible. And they're definitely just a a great way to keep safe. I cannot emphasize enough, guys, how important it is to be safe when you're out there climbing trees. We I love to be in a tree just as much as the next guy, maybe more than the next guy, but we got to do it safe. I've told you guys before already, and you're going to hear that more about it soon. My dad's hunting accident. You guys got to be safe out there. Got to get your good safety harnesses. Get them on. Put them on. Do not leave the ground without your harness on. And you need to have either a lifeline or a climbing rope, like a lineman's belt, some way to get up there safe, guys. Get up there. Get hooked in. My dad's accident actually happened as he was hooking his rope around the tree. So don't wait till you're up there. If you have the means to be connected to that tree some way, It will save your life. It'll probably still hurt if you fall, but it'll save your life. And that's so important, guys. That's what we got to focus on. Get out there. Enjoy it. Have a good time and do it safely. We're all getting out there fresh this weekend. I keep saying that. If you're from Indiana, we're getting out there fresh. I know there's a lot of guys in the northern states that have been out there for a couple weeks. I don't want to talk about it because I'm jealous. But all you guys in Indiana getting out there fresh this week, be safe, have a good time, and enjoy it. Which moves us to our next part, shot placement. My whole life I was taught to shoot for the lungs. You know, get right behind that shoulder blade, hit the lungs, kills them every time. And you got a pretty big target. I know some guys that go for the for the heart. It's a good shot. It's going to kill them for sure. It's going to kill them quick. That's, but that's not my favorite part to shoot. Two reasons. One, I love to eat pan-fried heart. Oh my gosh. I, uh, huh, that stuff is so good. 
I don't want to destroy the heart because I want to eat it. The other thing is I feel like a double lung shot is going to produce not only the best blood trail, but it's going to pump all the blood out of that meat. Um, if any of you are familiar with butchering animals, especially like a pig, you got to bleed that thing out. And I know we hang deer to help them bleed out. And even with a lung shot, they're still going to bleed some more. But let me tell you, that double lung shot kill is such higher quality meat. It's that light pink instead of that real deep red. And the blood's where you get your gamey flavor from. So personally, I'm a double lung shot guy. I've killed, I've shot a lot of deer with a double lung, and let me tell you, it takes them out. And I know I'm probably preaching to the choir. Most of us out there are lung shooters, but I know there's some guys out there that are shooting for the heart. And my grandpa used to tell me, son, if you hit the heart of a deer, you almost missed. You got to think about that. Yeah, and it's true. <laughs> if you hit the heart of a deer, you almost missed your chance. Because those hearts are low in that cage. Sorry, I wanted to throw that out there. That was my feeling on the on the double lung shot. Shot placement is key, especially with a bow. And people also forget that with a gun, that shot placement is crucial. Make that good shot. One shot, one kill. I'm a firm believer in that. I, I've hunted with a lot of people that turned those deer into Swiss cheese during gun season. Bam, 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 bam. Got him. That's great. Now you got 17 pounds of lead in that deer. <laughs> I'm not throwing shade on anybody. Hey, to each their own. What's important is that we're all out there doing what we love, conserving these beautiful animals for the next generation, and having a good, safe time while we're doing it. I just want to throw that out there. I think it's a fun point to talk about. If you guys have any opinions on that, definitely shoot us an email or a, a DM on Instagram, something. I want some more discussion. I definitely had more people contact me of the last episode. Just, you know, let alone just tell me they enjoyed it. And that is that keeps me going, man. That is so good to hear. I, I love nothing more about this podcast than when I get a text or a message talking about, oh, man, that episode was so great. We really enjoyed it. That's what it's about, guys. Shoot us an email, especially about that shot placement. See what you think about a shot placement, which along those lines, I've got a good story. Three years ago, early bow season, it was like a second weekend of bow. This property that we're probably going to end up at some point, the property with my trail cam, the property we're going to go to this weekend, hopefully if it doesn't rain Sunday, we got there, the corn was still up. The place where I normally would go, I couldn't get to, so I was kind of upset so I grabbed my climber, and I told my dad, I was like, hey, I'm just going to walk down this way till I find a tree. We went in midday. We're going to do an evening hunt. I'm going to find a tree. I'm going to get up in it, and I'm going to hunt it. He's like, all right, sounds good. So I walked walked the edge of the corn, and I found, I found three or four trees. I was like, oh, yeah, that's where I want to be. First tree I get in, I get about 10 foot up, and I'm like, yeah, this is not going to work. This tree's not going to work. So I climb back down, which here's the, I swear it is impossible to be dead silent with a climber, except for when you're leaving for the night. I swear, it's like every time you get out of the tree and you're trying to do a silent exit, piece of cake. But you go in there midday or early morning and you try to put that sucker on a tree, dead silent, can't be done. One clank is at least going to happen. You know, you're snapping in the... The, the summit guys will understand the older summits. You know, you clip in the, the cable around the tree. So you put it around, you go to clip it in, you're like holding a little snap and ping, 
every time. I swear I cannot get in a tree silent with a climber. Gotten better, but my goodness, those things, I love them the best. It's got to be the most comfortable tree stand. And no, I do not get paid by Summit. I'm not sponsored by Summit. I have actually never contacted or talked to anybody from Summit. Would be cool. But I love my Summit climbers. So I pick another tree. I, it was like 10 yards away. I get in it, climb up, get set up. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is the money shot. This is the tree. So I get in there. I get my snips out of my pack. I do a little clip on a few limbs. I get set up. I'm like, rock on. Here we go. I sit there for like four hours. I didn't even see a squirrel. Nothing. Nothing. Not a bird. But, hey, it was a beautiful evening. I was sitting out there. I was enjoying my day. I was just, I was having a great time, but not seeing anything. But hey, that's part of it. That's part. My grandpa also used to always say, hey, son, if you killed a deer every time you went out there, it'd be called killing, not hunting, and it wouldn't be as fun. I really agree with that. But anyways, I sat there. Finally, we get to like prime time. Like, all right, this seat, this summit seat is so comfy, but I'm going to stand up. I'm going to keep my eyes peeled for this last you know, 45 minutes, an hour of light. Finally, I, I was standing there and I hear like a, I hear like a stick break. I'm like, oh, so I turn around and I kid you not, there is 12 does coming right at me. They came around the edge of the field. So I was actually in a tree, like probably 10 yards in the woods off this cornfield, but I had a shot to the field but it was real thick behind me, but I could see there was a, there was like a double 90 in the field edge there. So think like I'm 10 yards in the woods, but I'm looking straight down the edge of the corn behind me, but it's real thick. So I'm looking in like 12 does come around the corner. So I, I get ready to turn and get set up and I'm like, wait a minute, there is 24 eyes on me. I have got to be on my game right here. So I tuck up close to the tree, get my bow, I get spun around, here they come, they round the corner, like, it picture perfect. Like, this was like hunting show perfect. They come right around the corner, Not there was not a single set of eyes that even looked in my direction. They start rounding the corner, I get set up, I'm like, okay, here's my opening, it's perfect, 20 yards, no problem. So they start coming around the corner. I'm like, okay, I'm going to pick it. They're all does, but I'm, I'm taking the shot. I've already decided one of these does is going down today. So I pick out, you know, I got my 20-yard hole. I'm set. I'm getting ready to make my draw, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to wait for the biggest doe. The first doe walks through. I'm like, okay, kind of small. The second one walks up, and I was like, that's a nice doe. But I'm going to, you know, I want to get a good look. And I thought, you know what? That's crazy. There's 12 deer getting ready around this corner. One of them's going to bust me. It's game time. I this, The doe right behind it was bigger, so I was like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and draw. I draw back, all of them freeze. Imagine that. I don't know, in my arrow, on my, on my rest, something. Tiniest of sounds, all these deer freeze. Stop, I'm like, oh gosh, I blew it. Here I am, I'm already starting to get the shakes a little bit. They start moving again. That one, st- the third deer steps right into the hole. Whack! And I mean a good flack. Nailed her. I see my lighted knock there in the ground. Knew I made a pass through. This deer goes barreling through the corn. When she took off through the corn, I watched her go straight out from where I was sitting. 
and then she made a hard left. I was like, all right, nailed her. So obviously all the other deer take off. I sit there a few minutes, get calmed down. I just went ahead and hung my bow up, sat down. I saw her go as far as she could. I thought I heard a crash. I go ahead and grab my binoculars. Obviously I text my dad. I'm like, oh yeah, doe down, nailed it. So I grab my binoculars, I turn around, and I'm trying to find my arrow. I find my light and knock, and I see my arrow, and I have one white vein on my arrows. And I can see a little bit of green on it. I'm like, oh, you're kidding me. Like, I know. Like, it was a chip shot. That was a piece of cake shot. 20 yards. I know I drilled her. So I tell Dad, I'm like, hey, man, I... I'm gonna get go ahead and climb down and get checking on this thing, see what it looks what it looks like, and we'll go from there. So, I climb down. At this point, it's starting to get darker. I check my arrow. Sure enough, I, like there's blood on it, but it's got some green and some you know, just some poop on it and stuff. And I'm like, oh, this is not good. So, I text my dad, tell him he's like, well, I'll come down there. We're probably gonna need to wait it out for a little bit. I mean, even if it was a gut shot, she's probably going to die, but we need to be really careful on, you know, rushing it. So he's like, let's go ahead and, you know, let's just, we'll just calm down, take a break for a little bit. We'll look right where you shot, try to find some good blood, and we'll go from there. Which, if I haven't told you guys already, me and my dad's my best hunting partner. He's my favorite hunting partner. We've hunted together, obviously, my whole career, but he's been hunting a long time. So whenever we hunt together, we work together, especially in situations that are a little bit compromised, that don't necessarily, you know, didn't, something didn't go right. We always work together. So, Dad comes up. He takes a look at the arrow. He's like, "Man, this doesn't look good." He's like, "Did did she, you know, did she hunch up when she ran away?" I'm like, "No, dude. She ran away like a perfect shot." We take a little bit of time. We talk about it, and I've never been a let it lay overnight type of guy. I'm more into smart tracking. You know, don't, you know, take it slow, evaluate your blood, evaluate your situation, you know, check tracks if you have to, see if that deer is running, see if that deer is walking, you know, replay it in your head over and over and over, really look at all aspects and determine, you know, how long you've got to let that deer lay. If you make a good shot, 20 minutes, half hour is plenty. I like to wait a little longer if I have daylight to warrant that to allow that but really just fully evaluate the situation that's one thing i really don't like about a lot of modern hunting shows is like they'll make a great shot on a deer and you see it on camera like clearly a double lung and again i'm not throwing shade on anybody i don't discount i like all those shows but it hurts me when i see them make this great shot and they show it in slow-mo and they make this great shot and they're like oh we're gonna let it lay overnight and it's like noon like what you know, the meat's gonna be ruined you let them guts sit out there overnight unless it's insanely cold out that's not a good thing so i'm not really for the let it lay overnight especially where i'm from our coyote population is insane in fact 10 minutes ago my wife just came in and was like do you hear those coyotes out in the field took these headphones off and those things were loud which we've got a lot of problems out here with like calves and stuff and coyotes so been getting a little bit more into predator hunting but that's for another episode so anyways we decide we're not going to let this thing lay overnight we really need to see some sort of evidence of the shot 
to determine how long we're going to wait this out. So we go out there, and I was like, okay, here's the deal. I know she turned left in the field and went beyond that, so I'm going to go literally walk straight in the corn for you know 20 yards or so, 20, 30 yards, and see if I can find blood. So this was after, like, we waited, like, a good hour. So I walk out there in the field. And all of a sudden, I mean, I've got nothing. I've got like a drip of blood somewhere. And all of a sudden, I see blood everywhere, which my apologies to that farmer. He probably was a little concerned when he got to that spot in the corn and there's just red corn, which it didn't actually get on the corn. It's just like low on the stalks, you know. But So I turn left. I turn my head left and there that, that doe lays there. So that was just a little bit of a lesson that doe did not go 40 yards and what had happened was she was quartered to me a little further than i thought i hit lung great shot placement fantastic shot placement but my arrow exited through the liver that's where i got that green and that and that like bile on the arrow from paying attention to what she did when i shot and where she went and how she reacted, I knew that I did hit her, and it wasn't a gut shot. They say if you do make a gut shot, they tend to hunch up their back and kind of walk away. This deer ran like a good shot, so I knew my shot wasn't as bad as I originally thought when I saw my arrow. So we actually posted that on Facebook and, and asked for comments uh, from people, and everybody, oh, you know, back out, leave it overnight. Well, here's the deal. I'm a meat hunter. I don't plan on pushing her. I plan on tracking smart, but I knew I made a good shot. When you put all the factors together, you realize a lot of people probably would have left that deer, but when I reevaluated everything, I knew that that probably wasn't the the right decision. So we clearly made the right decision. Could have been a little bit of a risky decision, but we did it. We got that deer, and man, I love to tell that story. That's like, I feel like that was one story when I truly made it happen did the right thing and really had to sit back and think and you know put all my skills all my tracking skills together and stuff that was really important and and definitely learn to evaluate things when you're out there in the woods really look at the situation and replay that shot in your head and and if you have a camera great look at the footage but i don't support the leaving it overnight thing unless it's just really late and you don't have a choice you know you lose blood if it's not an option to recover that night definitely go back and look the next day because i'm always i will do everything in my power to recover a deer if i attempt to shoot it i'm i'm trying to make a good shot always mistakes happen we all make mistakes if anybody out there says they don't make mistakes they're a liar we all make mistakes do your best guys really evaluate the situation you know call a buddy in if you have to there's like tons of people out there now with tracking dogs blood tracking dogs if you've got to give them a call but please also don't be that guy that makes the perfect double lung shot and has an incredible blood trail and they're like oh oh, does anybody have a dog i need help i need help finding this deer like that's a little much those guys that, that have those dogs they they usually hunt too so don't waste their time, but if you need them, they're definitely there to help. I actually know a few people that have hunting dogs travel all over the state. So, great asset to have a tracking dog, but I don't think it's always necessary. Well, I've got a little segment I wanted to start. 
I don't know if it's going to continue on, but it's just like a fun segment for this week. And I'm going to call it What's in the Pack? What's in the Pack? If you don't carry a hunting pack with you, which I feel like everybody should or everybody does, I've got a backpack that I take hunting with me. I always joke about it, call it my survival pack because it's loaded down. But I want to list off a few things that are in my pack always. First off, always take my lunch. Even if I know I'm going on a half day, I take my lunch. I take a big, honking, thick ham sandwich, slice of cheese, whole bunch of ham on a bun, put that bad boy in a Ziploc bag and put it in there. Second thing, chips. 99% of the time, I've always got barbecue Pringles. That's actually the Lay's stacks. Those are my favorite. Always have my barbecue chips and a big old Mountain Dew. And I always carry like three or four bottles of water. I used to carry a canteen. I had like a military canteen of water I always took with me. I always drank it all way too fast. I was out of water by noon. I drank a ton of water. So I get bring my Mountain Dew, you know, give me that little bit of energy. But I've always got my water. I drink water constantly all day long. And you got to find those good water bottles that aren't popping and cracking all day long when you're trying to take a drink of water. No good. We don't need that. I've got my lunch. My Mountain Dew, my water. I always have a, I've got a battery backup charger for my phone. If, I, if something happens, I got to charge my phone. That's our main uh, form of communication now. We don't really carry walkie-talkies anymore. We used to always do that, but everybody's got a phone now. So I always carry our phone for, for communication. So I've got a battery pack for that. I do carry a tourniquet with me. You never know when something's going to happen. I got my big gut knife. I got a fold-out saw. I got a compass. Always have my compass. I get into some property, especially if I venture off onto public ground. I really like to have my compass to keep me, you know, keep keep my location known and not get lost out there. So, always got my compass. I carry a little bottle of cover scent with me, or when I get into the the, the pre-rut chase phase, I keep a little bit of that dopey, that doe estrus. Always keep some of that in there. I keep cover scent, like I said. And, man, I, I could probably go on all day. Maybe this wasn't good to start right now. I've got, uh, you always got to keep a Ziploc bag full of toilet paper in there, which, hey, if I'm having a kid, I've come to find out what's even better than keeping a, some toilet paper in there, keep a few of them baby wipes in there. We've all had nature call while we're in the woods. That's no secret. Make sure you got something to wipe with out there. I know so many people are like, oh, I came in with one sock today, old nature called. Well, dude, carry some toilet paper. Why not? I always got, if we go, like, go to breakfast on our way there, snag some napkins, stick in my pocket, you always got to have a backup plan. I always keep some hand warmers in my pack and some toasty toes. Those things are great when you get into the cold winter. Your toes get a little cold, just stick them on there. You're good to go. I always take a pack of jerky. Usually homemade. We make our own deer jerky, so I pretty much stick to deer jerky during deer season. We actually like freeze it, save it all, make it during deer season. That's the best time to eat it. I could go all year without eating it if that means having it all deer season. So always got my deer jerky. And I always got a tube of Mentos in my pocket. Something about Mentos. I, like, I don't eat Mentos during the rest of the year, but when I'm deer hunting, I like to you know, have me a piece of jerky, take me a drink of water, have me a mento just all day long <laughs> this just keeps me going all day long got my my mentos and my jerky and my water and occasionally a sip of mountain dew if i don't drink it all at lunchtime so 
What else I got? Oh, I always carry a. I always carry a grunt call with me. I know grunt grunting isn't always something you do all year, but I always have one in my pack, especially during you know that time, which we'll talk more about. I always got my bleak call in there. Always have a pair of binoculars. You know, you never know. You might need to see out at a distance, whether it be to see a deer or, you know, glass a field or just anything. I always got my pair of binoculars in there, which I've got my favorite pair, my favorite brand, but we don't need to speak on that now. And uh, what else do I got in there? I, you, you believe me now when I say I got a survival pack? That backpack goes with me everywhere. Oh, I got, I got a flashlight. I used to carry one of those blood trailing lights, but I don't really... I don't really mess with that anymore. I never really felt the need. I don't know if they work or not. I've never really used one. I had it in there. Never remember to use it. And hey, remember, make that good shot and you don't have to blood trail so far. So I always carry some ibuprofen. You know, you're out there, you get a headache, you might need a couple ibuprofen. Heartburn pills. You always, I always keep a Zegrid, is that what it is? one of those in there? You never know. You get some what's from eating all those jerky and mentos, you get a little heartburn action. Always carry a couple of those in there. That's the basic. I think that covers everything in my pack. I'm sure there's oh, I got my trail cam viewer in there. Gotta have that, which I'm pretty much set on. I'm gonna like switch all over to cellular cameras. I like sitting there looking at my pictures in the stand, but I love my cell cams. So with that, I think that about covers it. So we're going to move on to our verse today. I think this one's important. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world right now. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on in the United States with, you know, we're not going to get into politics on here. I'm going to try to completely avoid politics all the way around. But it's clear there's a lot of stuff going on. Whichever side you're on, there's so much going on. So this week, our Bible verse from Proverbs is Proverbs 16:7, And this I do. Most of mine are going to be from the New International Version NIV Bible. That's what I grew up reading, so that's what they'll be from. Proverbs 16.7 says, When the Lord takes pleasure in anyone's way, he causes their enemies to make peace with them. That's deep, guys. you got to wake up every day and be kind. you got to be a good person. I truly believe that God will always reward you and guide you if you follow in his path. Do what's right, not just for you, but for the people around you. Like, Sometimes I struggle with not even, you know, not standing up for myself enough, but I was like, I'm born to serve. I love being good to other people. If, if my day is terrible, but I can make other people smile, that right there will turn my day around. I think that is so important in life in general is to be a good person and God will be, God's on our team no matter what, but God will reward you for being a good person. Because I think first and foremost, as one of the very most important things about being a good Christian is being a good person to other people. Don't forget that, guys. With that being said, we could go on for hours about that. Get out there, guys. Enjoy it. Love it. Live it. Be a good gamekeeper or good conservationist. Do what's right. Have a good time. Be safe. With that, that's all we got time for today, guys. So thank you so much for tuning in. Once again, huntinggamepodcast at gmail.com. Huntinggamepodcast on Instagram. Check us out on there. Give us a shout. 
Give us a like, follow, subscribe, hit that bell on Spotify. We can't wait to get back on here for more. I'm going to do my best to get someone on here for the next episode. We're going to keep doing it. We're going to keep having a good time. Thanks for tuning in. We will see you next week. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Can't wait to hear from you. Give us a shout. God bless, everybody. We'll see you later. Thanks for joining us on the Hunting Game Podcast. We hope to see you back next week for another exciting episode. In the meantime, get out there. Enjoy the great outdoors. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss another show. God bless you all. Have a great week. We're out.